Welcome to the What's Up With Docs podcast. I'm Tony Bell, the creator and host. Are you liking the show? Show us some love by sending us a little bit of coin. Click on support the podcast on our website, www.whatsupwdocs.com. That's whatsupwdocs.com. Since this week's guest is of Haitian descent, we are heading to the warm waters of the Caribbean for our land acknowledgement. This is from the Haitian Times. Long before Africans were brought to Haiti's shores, indigenous groups inhabited the land that would become Hispaniola in later Haiti, or as they called it, Haiti, the land of the mountains. At one point, Haiti was inhabited by three distinct indigenous populations. The Gulanahatahe, the Arawaks, and the Caribs. The Arawaks originated from the Orinoco and Amazon basins, while the Caribs came from South America. Take a look below for the five kingdoms Haiti's indigenous populations ruled on the island. Magua, which is now located in present-day Dominican Republic, was located on the northeastern part of Hispaniola, bordered to the north and east by the Atlantic Ocean, the south by Maguana, and Higiyu, and west of Marian and Maguano. The chiefdom was divided into 21 territories and was thought to be one of the richest chiefdoms of the island. Marian included the entire northwestern part of Hispaniola, bordered to the north by the Atlantic Ocean, the south by Jawagua, east by Magua and Maguana, and west by the Windward Passage, a strait in the Caribbean Sea between the islands of Cuba and Hispaniola. Its capital, El Guarico, was located near the present-day city of Cape Haitian, Magawana. Magawana was located in the center of the island, bounded on the north by Marian and Magua, south by the Caribbean, east by Magua and Higu, and west by Marian and Jaruba. The chiefdom was ruled by Kanaobo, husband of the legendary Anacona. Its center was established at Corral de los Indios, located in the present-day town of Juan de Herrera in San Juan province. Guanabal was the first to resist the Spanish occupation. Zauragua. Zauragua spanned the entire southwest of the island of Hispaniola. It was bordered on the north by Marian, south by the Caribbean Sea, east by Maguana, and west by the Strait of Jamaica. Its center was located in present-day Legona. And lastly, Higüe. Higüe spanned the entire southeast of Hispaniola, bordered to the north by Magua and the Bay of Samana, south by the Caribbean, east by the Canal de la Mona, and west by Maguana. The capital was located in present-day Higüe in the Dominican Republic. In this episode, I speak with friend, filmmaker, and professor Jaquil Constant. During our conversation, we chat about our time working on Bridging the Divide, Tom Bradley and the Politics of Race, Bad West, and his documentary short, Haiti is a Nation of Artists. We also talk about his Haitian heritage and the festival he founded, which is now in its seventh year, the Haiti International Film Festival. We discuss how it started and the fact that it has grown even during the past few pandemic years. Starting a film festival from scratch is no small feat. And Jaquil is truly a man with a vision. That's why this episode's song is Nipsey Hussle's That's How I Knew. Here is our conversation, which was recorded in January 2022. I am a um, brown-skinned Black woman. I'm currently wearing a burgundy t-shirt. And um, it's not morning anymore, but I'm in my house. I have my burgundy satin bonnet on with some black headphones. I'm sitting in front of my black couch. 
Uh, behind me is this multicolor painting and there is a turquoise curtain hanging. I'm Haitian American, um, dark skinned brother, bald head. Behind me is a, a, my first Haitian painting that I, that I bought. It's like a, um, you know, a, a market scene in Haiti. Yeah, I'm, I'm here in, in, in North Hollywood. So I always like to begin these conversations um, with how we met and for people who don't know, like in order, basically in order to be on the podcast, Renelle and I, we either, either have to know you and or like you. So not just everybody gets on. So um, we actually met, actually on the first doc I worked on, Bridging the Divide, Tom Bradley and Politics of Race. I've been working on the film for um, some time as a PA and then they ran out of money and then brought me back as an archival researcher. And then when they were hiring additional crew, you were brought on. So that's how we first like met. And the first time I was written up by um, Bad West was because of you. <laughs> so I was in Bad years for years. <laughs> like, so I started going to Bad West when I first moved to LA in 2010. How long have you been in Bad West? At least three years. Were you a long time member? Yeah, I was, I was there like pretty much when it, because I knew David Massey. I interned at the Hollywood Entertainment Museum then he, uh, David Massey was the one who told me about Bad West. So that's how I start. That's how I was used to it. Yeah. So um, I've, I've told my Bad West origin story. And actually, if, if it weren't for Bad West, like I would not be in um, documentary. Tell me about some of the work you did on Bridging the Divide, like for our audience members. I mean, I did the research, look at all this archival footage, seeing stuff that was not in the documentary. You know what I mean? Like they had, a, they had this footage that I remember. It was Nelson Mandela, Martha Luther King, and Tom Bradley. You went with me that day when we went to the um, LA City Archives, right? It was you and one other person, like the three of us, and we were the, looking through stuff. I never went there. I just saw the archives that was on okay. my laptop. Okay. So I just, that's the way I saw it. Right. So it was just like so amazing to know that Tom Bradley as a, not as the icon, how he helped, like that train I took from Hollywood to Long Beach. He created that, you know what I mean? The small business development programs, he created that. The, the work source programs that I was able to partake in, you know, he created all those type of things. So it was like understanding that Tom Bradley helped make LA a modern city. You know what I mean? Bringing the Olympics, like having that as a black male was so instrumental to like your development and then, and then you know that you could do anything. But these people were not talked about until Lynn and um, Allison actually did the documentary. So it just showed me like even our greatness cannot be shown, right? But having storytellers who, who were brave, <laughs> who were uh, brought people, and, and I love, because I used to work in reality before. So that was such a transactional type of space. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that too, because like I saw in your bios, like reality. So what reality shows did you work on? I love New York, Flavor Flay. I worked on the real tea, the real, <laughs> like I got kind of burnt out of that. Then I wanted to transition. That's why the film festival was a documentary space. It was like, people have relationships. They actually know people for years, but in documentary, you know, people for six months, you may not see them. Everybody's working on different shows. And, but I think what I liked that they had an intellectual, it was more anti-intellectual, it seemed like. If you were like, it was like I was an intellectual in a documentary space and they didn't really appreciate it, you know? They don't want your long ideas. They just want you to do the job. But I felt like I fit more in the documentary, documentary space. Documentary world, okay. My personality, my, so 
Um, I liked it, it was quick, but I wanted to have like impact. And I felt like that's what documentary gave me. It gave me a place where you could develop your voice, mm -hmm. your curation, and really build community. Right. You know? right. So I think that was different where I think reality was so transactional. Mm -hmm. And um, people were antagonistic. <laughs> like, I mean, especially on what Flavor of Love and um, I Love New York. But all of those, um, those are all what EP bought. Was it Chris Frigo? Yep. Like, and like he was the king of reality back in the day. Because like he was the only one who was doing that. They had like seven of them. Rock of Love and like Daisy of Love and all those spin-offs spin that came out. It was 51 Minds. It was, I think they came out of Cal State Fullerton. Mm -hmm. There was like a whole, so it was like that, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it was a different, I mean, I think I appreciate it because they got you to work on, you know, stuff that went to like cable and had a big impact. But let you know, like, how do you want to be conscious of how do you, what's your legacy? That's why I think you've made the money but you work so much 70 hour that you had no time to even spend them. You didn't have any time to like build and think what project you're going to work on. So I think mm -hmm. it was, I think it was good to have that experience early on. Like to figure out what you don't like. Exactly. Cause sometimes you need to know that. Yeah. I think that's just as important as, as working, knowing what you don't like and um, then find something that you love and you're passionate about. Like, okay, how can I still make, money but find something that i love and this it may that's why i went back to grad school because i didn't want to be a pa that ten thousand people could do my job right so by me learning more you know about like black history and you know cinema and art it gave me a different lens so i could bring more value you know what I mean? and i can discuss these topics so i think that's why i fit i fit i fit perfectly in that space because i was able I wanted to make sure that everybody couldn't just do what I was, anybody could come from Kansas and just like pick up a, you know, you know, uh, just, just be able to do it because they have a car and they, you know, just basic practical stuff. So, so you are basically, you, you were working in reality for a number of years and then decided to go to grad school, your degrees in interdisciplinary studies and Pan-African, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was Pan-African in cinema. Yeah, and it was really like, you know, our recession, it was 2008, like there was no jobs. There were only jobs like yours. You had to be somebody's like cousin or something at that time. <laughs> there were like one. So I was like, okay, I got to go back to school, you know? And, and basically, um, you know, have a, a totally different experience and reinvent yourself. You know, I think in this town, you know, you, you have to find ways to reinvent yourself and pivot. And that's what he gave me. And I didn't want to be, you know, especially when I was in the art department, they wanted me to do like stuff that was more just about racialized topics. But I said, I want to learn about culture, culture lasts. Talk about that because well, I remember when Flavor Love came out and I was initially, I was disappointed to hear about it because, you know, like back in my day, Flavor Flame, you know, Public Enemy, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what happened? You know, but then, okay, I watch, and then I watch all of, you know, watching all of those shows. Talk about what you call being racialized, you know, but particularly how it plays, how some of those shows kind of play into some, some stereotypes. Yeah, I, I think for me, it was very hard. I was a pan after stereotypes major. So, yeah. um, oh, because this I'm, is wild. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, working on shows that are very, show our community in a very, like, almost in a negative light, right? And then, 
you know, you're feeling bad. Like I'm getting Grey Goose for a girl who comes from Kangas and they're being exploited on the show and you're really in the valley somewhere, but they think they're in Beverly Hills. So it just made you like, I don't want to be complicit in this. I could, I could and say that, oh, I'm just making money. And I think I made that realization. I think Paul Robeson, like as an artist, after a while, you have to be mature. You have to be, you have to like get to a point where you're like, you're not just doing the work. You know, it's not just for art's sake, you're doing the work that has a responsibility. And you have, I, I feel like as an artist, as you grow as a man or a woman, you're like, no, I don't want my legacy to be attached to this. When I leave this profession, I want to leave something that's redeem, redeeming. And I think one show I worked on, I think it was American, biggest asshole. And, and I was in a wrecking yard and I was like, I didn't go to film school for this, you know? And I think it was one of those moments where I was just like, there has to be something else more than this, you know? And I think that was the thing of going to like film festivals and like, um, and you find a lot of people in the film festival used to be working television and they got burnt out in reality or TV. And they use those, those skills to kind of transfer. Working with people, being able to deal with deadlines. But I think now it's something that you care about. Either it's horror, or it's a Haitian, or it's something. So you find a lot of people who used to produce who just like, okay, I got to do something more redeeming with my, <laughs> with my life. That was my transition and, and going to grad school and being able to like be in a place where you can incubate an idea. Like I created the film festival while I was in grad school. So I think like having an environment where you could, um, you know, experiment, you know, have the, the film festival there. The first year was there. Then I was able to bring it to LA, you know, at the um, Barnstone Gallery Theater. So I think of like really utilizing my resources and experimenting, you know, and figuring it out, having that confidence of self and knowing that people, it may take time, you may have to market it a little more, you know what I mean? Since it's maybe a little more, the materials are conscious, but finding to put the entertainment stuff, you know? Like having the romantic comedies, you run a film festival. And I think a big thing was after the earthquakes, like everything's like, what are you gonna do after the earthquake? So that was kind of like, there was a kind of a Haitian Renaissance of filmmakers going to Haiti to really one, connect with their culture, and two, to show a different image that they knew that mainstream wasn't showing. So I was kind of part of that movement and was like, oh, it's not just me because I did this documentary. I showed documentary, Haiti's a Nation of Artists. So going to New York, Miami, Haiti, producing this documentary, I was like, I realized that we need to have a film festival. So it's not just our individual voices or our, we're operating our own silos. So it was um, by the film festival, I was able to aggregate different filmmakers in New York, Miami, you know, LA. So I think it just gave me, it recreated a platform and it came where people were coming to me to submit their films instead of like in Hollywood, always felt like you had to pitch yourself and like you kind of change like almost, you, you change the power dynamics. You know, that was something that I, I, since I knew we didn't have very limited spaces to show that, especially our, our humanity, you know, and the Haitian culture, the African diaspora, that I knew it was something that we needed. I needed as a filmmaker and other filmmakers need the same thing. And our audience needs to see us that way. And I think going to Haiti, seeing that people will walk past the art and it takes an outsider like me or somebody else to validate it. I was like, why can't our community validate it? Why does it always have to be somebody else? And I found that the Black community, same thing, was like always an outsider had to validate it. And I felt since I was a, 
insider and outs, I was actually both in between. I was like, okay, I was able to see like almost the benefits of both, right? Of being right. inside the culture and being um, a little objective because you are academic, you are a filmmaker and, um, and be able to use those tools to um, show us in a very authentic way. So I think that, that really helped. You know, because when I did Pan African Studies, people didn't think it was good. Now it's great. But what if they're like, man, I ain't gonna get you a job. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. And that was just a few years ago. Yeah, it was like just That's people, shocking. you know, but now they're like, it's totally different now. Whereas like that helped me develop the film festival. And it, it gave me like a value of yourself and marketing and knowing your own community and doing the research. And it's not just like because you go to, you know, a fish fry, or you go to a Black History Month, or you go to a Haitian Month, and that's all—that's the only time you celebrate Black culture on those cultural months. But now learning the legacy and the people who've done it before you, you know, Leroy Jones and the art movements and all that, like that empowers you. Like they had a lot harder time than we did, my <laughs> and it's oh, still yeah, able to create absolutely. great mm -hmm. work. So I think it just gave, I feel like it gave you standards. Right, it gave right. You like that type of excellence that you, you want to aspire to. So I think it was very important for me, um, even in, I was in pan studies, I specifically wanted to learn from the black artists. Right. To learn because there wasn't like, when I took my film classes, that wasn't in the curriculum. When I took my art class, I had to bring them in there or ask professors like. That totally makes sense. And I'm gonna just go back a little bit for like our young people who don't know who Leroy Jones is. That's Amiri Rocker. Yeah. And I actually, as you said in the beginning, I have like many degrees. One of my degrees is the creative writing, which I got from Naropa. And I had the honor and the privilege of like doing a workshop with um, the late great Amiri Baraka. And actually having one-on-one -on -one time with him, like him, him reading my poetry with, and oh. asked me what a, what he told me because I was just like blown away that I was just in a room by myself with Amir Baraka. Yeah, <laughs> but I do want to. I want to go back a little bit. Uh -huh. First of all, have you always been like interested in film? Like, were you one of those kids who was just like into movies, or did it come like later in life? How did this road to filmmaking like begin? Begin really with Spike. You know, when I saw Malcolm X, when I was like 15, and just to see a, you know, be coming from a single parent family, seeing a man like really care about his community, put his life on the line. And I had like the Malcolm X hat, you know, there was yeah, four, the X. It's like, I had that and I was like, I'm gonna watch this movie, you know, you know, uh -huh. my mom took me, but you know, it was great to see that. And that, and that made me love film. When I saw that, I say, I want to do, I don't know how I'm going to do it, <laughs> but I want to do, do it. That, that that was like the first, you know, the film that I saw. I mean, you've seen Disney, all that, but that was the one that really, you know, touched me and just had all that, you know, that love for Malcolm X and just like Spike Lee, who, who was able to bring that out. Denzel should have won that Oscar. He should have. I'm still mad about that. Yeah, no, that was phenomenal. Like seeing that, you know, come in, and I was born in, in, in Brooklyn, you know, but raised out here, you know, in LA and Hollywood. I know you got the Haitian descent, but like, where, where are you from? Flatbush, yeah, well, okay. like, all the Haitians are, you know? So yeah, okay. I was there taking a train, you know, I, I was little, I was only there till I was like six, but just remembering like, you know I mean? Like you're in an all black community. So living in New York, then um, my mom, before she you know, came for us and, um, 
LA, like we stayed in Florida for a year. So that was all we stayed in Miami. Like it was like little hate. It was like all yeah, that's area. like yeah, that's, a, that's a little another little Haiti down there. Yeah. yeah. So then transferring to Hollywood. What are the the, the contrast? Yeah, where are the Haitians in Hollywood? <laughs> Us, our family, a couple others. You know, it was so it was like so like recently the last 10 years that there's been a lot of like Haitians who left like the East Coast to, you know, pursue their acting or their film or just like you know, this is the second place. They moved to New York and Miami, then they finally, you know, they're moving out to LA now. So they're moving out west. So yeah, that's it's did your mother like immigrate from Haiti or was your or your grandparents? First it was my um my grandma, then she sent for my for my mom. So she came here in the seventies. So my mom was like Haitian, Haitian. She had the accent. Like there was no way somebody called the house. She had that thick accent. There was no way. I had to tell everybody like some people like you can tell people they weren't Haitian. My mom had a super accent. So I was like you know, I let everybody know because <laughs> when they call the house, she they're like, oh, she sounds different than you. So you came out to L.A. when you were like six or seven. Yeah. So you were out here with your mom. Did she try to make a point to instill in you like a knowledge about your your Haitian heritage and your your Haitian history, even though there were at least at that time, there weren't a lot of Haitians out here? Yes, she did. I mean, she had like a lot of like black artifacts in the house. I always played music like from like cellular crews. I mean, I had to do a little research on myself because since I was out here in the West, like people wouldn't even know what a Haitian was. They're like, are you Asian? I said, no, we're from the Caribbean. So I find about Tucson and I read like a book. So I was able to tell people then they would just be able to play with you because now they know a little bit about you. So I think that's the kind of beautiful thing of being at West. People don't really have like a perception of what a Haitian is or just maybe something they may see on the news. So I think you have a chance to like impart knowledge. So I think that's what, I, you know, you know, that's what I try to do is always like enlighten people who don't, don't, don't have a background or know about the culture. Whenever I, I think about you and um, creating this film festival, always, I don't know why this pops into mind, but that it was that James Weldon Johnson poem from the creation. I feel like that every like black child has to memorize and like one of the lines in, in there is like, I'm, I'm going to make me a world. So when I think about you, I'm like, Jaquil, I'm going to make me a film festival. That's like no small endeavor. And like, you are the only person I know who's actually started a film festival from scratch. What was that initial thought process? I'm like, okay, I'm going to start a festival. So I have you always did you, particularly after working in the film world, the reality world, and in the documentary world, did you, was that something that was always kind of in the back of your mind that you wanted to do? Or um, did that come as a part of a need that you saw? It came part of a need. And I think I've been to all the films. Like, I went to Fespaco, like, right after I graduated. Oh, okay. So tell people um, about Fespaco, because a lot of people don't know what Fespaco is. Fespaco is like the Sundance for African filmmakers in the African diaspora. It's in Agudugu. And I went there like in 2003. And it just like, it opened my mind to see black filmmakers from America, black filmmakers from the Caribbeans, from um, Nigeria, you know, the French ones, the English, to see the totality of the black and African experience. So that showed me like, oh, we could do this on a global level. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to just be from Hollywood, you know? And these were these different ways of like telling stories and seeing these different films that were like 
films that were done in Denmark that was about black people or the UK so that and being outside and having Thomas Sekera like he made this so black people could have their identity and working was liberty so you know like seeing that just really opened my mind and knowing that I didn't know that that, that helped me 10 years later when I was curating for Bad West because they brought me in to bring the international perspective because I knew filmmakers, you know, from Nigeria, Haitian filmmakers. It started from going to Fespaco and going to the Pan-African every year, going to the LA Film Festival, going to all these film festivals. Then I realized that there was a point that we had to create it. I think it was the center of culture innovation. And there's a certain point you, you're waiting for somebody to create it. Then I had to understand, like, I've been raised in Hollywood. I'm Haitian American. I'm the one. And, and I came to Epiphany. I have to do this, you know, then and take that responsibility. And I can't complain and just be like, it's not done right. Then what are you going to do about it? Then I got on a point. I'm a doer. That first thing that I got started or I got really accepted in was poetry. I used to I used to go to World Stage when I was in. So when I saw that and then you get published and I and then. I met that president of the school because one of the poems I wrote, Dear Mama. So I was like, whoa, like, that's your words. I started off as a poet. Then I realized poets can't make no money. So um, <laughs> I went to film. <laughs> you know, so I, I use my words for grants now. <laughs> I use right. my words for uh, pitching. One of my friends passed away. She had a funeral to Ella Turin. And um, she was a poet, writer, and did all these things. I think sometimes as a male, you feel like you have to concentrate on something that you're going to make money, right? So you're like producing or writing, you know, and I just kind of like the last 10 years probably went away from that. But now I'm, I'm trying to integrate that back into my, my practice as an artist, because I think that's important. Because like when, when I would write questions, when I interview people, they're like, you used to write or be a poet? Because the questions you're asking, a regular director doesn't ask these type of questions. But it was having that poetry to be critiqued by your community, right? Your community tell you, because we they had what they call a no bullshit rule, right? <laughs> so, right. <laughs> you know, you have to really come correct, you know, because poetry. Mm -hmm. So I think having that, and I, I took that into filmmaking. I, t I translated that experience of like, let's give our best, because they would talk about you. you, know? <laughs> right. Right. you know? So That's I think true. like learning those things and that call and response, you know, I integrated, um, that until um, I, I feel like the film festival culture and to have those to have those discussions and I kind of put that in, and I feel like a black intellectual that's a place that you got a substance. I felt especially living in Hollywood, you know, the black culture were like they you could be smart and it's cool. That's the one space that I could you know before filmmaking that was the one the first space. Then I knew it could work in other spaces because I got that acceptance from my is essentially from your community that allowed me to, to, to navigate in different waters. So when you decided that, okay, I'm going to start a festival and it's going to focus on Haitian people that and people at the Haitian diaspora. So like, what were the first, like some of the first steps, like how, how do you plan to start a, a film festival? Like, what did you do for initial funding? I mean, now you've like subsequently you've gotten grants from like various places, including like uh, you got a few grants from City of LA, right? Yeah. But how do you begin? When I first started the first year, I got support actually from the provost at Cal State Northridge. That was one of school because he was from um, he was from Brooklyn, but he was from like the Jewish section. I was close to where 
the Haitian community. But so he's like, okay. after I told him I did uh, my screenplay, I was going to do Dear Mama about a Haitian American who was in an abusive relationship, but moved to California. So like the story of my mom and take three kids out here because he I want to meet your mom. I said, mom, put your dress on <laughs> and got her to come to the school. And he's like, I'm a, then after they had their little New York moment, he hasn't been in New York in 30. Then he was like, I'm gonna fund all your projects. It kind of started from that. Cause I did a video for the Pan-African studies department. Like, and he liked that. And I, and I did a video on Reverend Lawson. Mm. When he was protesting, so I made it in black and white, you know, basically showed it to him. He's like, all right, what do you need? <laughs> you know? So that that kind of started that. Then when I told him I was doing the film festival, he's like, you're gonna bring like, you know, films here. So he helped fund my um, Haitian art exhibit that was about Haiti as a nation of artists, a short film. So tell people about that movie. Haiti as a nation of artists is about Haitian artists creating transformational art after 2010. And me as a Haitian American, you're showing a different side of Haiti. Usually we see poverty and uh, poverty porn, but I wanted to show that we have a rich cultural history through the arts. So that was like that. Oh, and just to go to Haiti and I knew the artists would open up to me because when I told my mom, she, I don't know. I was like, why well, no artists out here in LA? I'm, I'm going to take a chance. And we went to Haiti and they were really open to tell their own story. And I just told them, you won't be a soundbite. Like, you know, when a news channel just comes by, you will be able to tell your own experience as, as a Haitian man and or a woman. So that just opened so many doors for me. And I became an international filmmaker. Even though I was ready, I became a Haitian. I was like, okay, I'm going to run with it. So that, that opened that. And I think that just worked hand in hand with the film festival. To go back to your other question, the first thing is having the vision. Once you have the vision written down, you can get the support. So once I figure out, you know, the, the mission of the organization, then I would get support. I, I went to the cinema program. They gave me the free screening. I went to the art department. You know, they printed all the posters, you know, then having the provost behind it. So I think like all those elements, since I was interdisciplinary studies, you know, when I was traveling, I was getting grants from interdisciplinary. I was doing it when I was, you know, I was traveling to the Haitian Cultural Center in, in Brooklyn. You know, I was going to Miami. So I think I was very intentional because I did the research. So then I had something different to offer. So basically I would be making my own conferences. I think like doing that, then I was so enriched when I would go to New York and Miami, then I had something different. I think that's what it is. I had something different. And then you had that kind of entrepreneur type of like, you know, the, I think that producing background really helped me. I would do the research. Then I pick people in the community, like, Kareem, she has a gallery for 30 years. I'm like, Gabriel Lakai, come, you know, and um, let's get some of your art for the exhibit at um, CSUN. So I think like knowing key people in the community, going out to like Edward Duvar Curie, calling him and um, he was like, yeah, interview me, just raise your money. And, and I went in Miami and interviewed him. So I think like, and I was in school. So I think they appreciated that. You, you were that student who was like trying to. Exactly. I think it would have been different if I was a professional would have done it. I don't think I would have had the same access. I saw it was different. Now I'm not, you know, I'm out of school. Um, but I think I had that and it was and it was the year after the earthquake. So I think if I would have waited more time, I wouldn't have had the access. But since I knew a county owner here, the county owners gave me access to the artists. So I think I always knew who was the go-between, who was the person who had who had the decision making power. And the artist would talk to me because this person, I mean, it's like here, your network is so important. And in the Black community, somebody got to refer you. 
I don't care. Caribbean, Haiti. In this industry. In this industry overall, you, you have to, you know, be verified, basically. So but once you have that, um, yeah, it just, the doors just kind of open. But of course, you got to have your research. Yeah, and I think I had the confidence because I worked in the marketing department at CISA, so I was shooting every week. So when I got there, I was basically, you know, I was ready. Then my mom came out there, so that helped a lot. That they're like, okay, we see this series. It's not just you. She kind of gave you that, like, stamp of approval. People knew you were Haitian, but she gave you that bit more Haitian cred. She, yeah, she gave me that Haitian street. <laughs> she gave me the Haitian cred because they're like, his Creole is not the same. But right, her, right. She's like, you know, it's official, you know. So it let me just shoot and let her ask the questions. You know, I think that that was a great experience. You know what I mean? Now, I didn't realize your mom was a part of the film. No, she was. She was part of everything. She was always like, you're going to do this, Jocko. Like, she was like a number one fan. Like, you're going to make it happen. So I think having a mom that was very proud of her culture was like, yeah. she's the best of us. She kind of gave you that mandate. Like, show the best of us. You're going to do the work. Learn every position. Learn all 10 positions because you don't know who's going to leave. But I think that was something that's how I've been able to, like, do these projects. Because she was like, you're going to have to learn the cinematography, the editing, you know, the film festival. And I think like having that work ethic and that immigrant mom who's just like, you got to make it happen. That that was like the testament, like all the films, like she would make the food for the film. So when people came to our film, they're like, damn, we got Haitian food. You know, <laughs> you, you, you know, and your sister's in the movie. We had that really home, like. Yeah, it was a, a family affair. And that's the warmth we try to keep with the film festival. You know what I mean? We get a Haitian caterer. We, try to keep it the first thing is uh, one of our pillars is, is, is family, definitely education and creativity. You know, those are three pillars. And, but that was the values my mom taught me. You know, family's number one, gotta have an education. She was like, when I get my BA, she's like, where's your master's? I finished with my master's, she's like, where's your PhD? I'm like, hold up, let <laughs> me just, you know how long it took me to get here, you know? So, you know, I think just having that, um, just helped me to just to really navigate and just have that, you know, learning about Haitian history, about Tucson, all that really like, you can do this. Don't wait for somebody to give you your independence or your liberation. You got to create that, you know? So I think like learning those things and learning about, you know I mean? The Pan-African studies like really helped me. It helped me when you had different difficult times in the industry. I could fall back on that. I could fall back on what, what our leaders have done or what you know, Malcolm X, what Martha Luther King have done. They help to you navigate because you need that. Because you're gonna last if you don't know, I think the knowledge of self. Like, <laughs> so you're like, okay. Yeah, I think that's been kind of like, you know, I'm a builder. The reason why I'm, I'm so impressed that you started this film festival, particularly like being in LA, because in LA, there are a million and one film festivals. Yeah. There are like so, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we kind of, we're out of, kind of out of that world a little bit because we, we, um, because of the pandemic. Um, but I mean, there's, there's like a French film festival, then there's an Indian film festival, you know, there's like several Latinx film festivals and several Asian 
film festival. There's like a Hollywood Black Fest Film Festival. There's a Pan-African Film Festival. And there's a Scandinavian Film Festival. Like any weekend, there could be like four or five different film festivals. So that's why I was just so impressed when I heard that you were trying to start this. Like there's such a glut of festivals out there. But the cool thing too, what I've noticed um, particularly, like I love really niche film festivals for like so many reasons. When I first moved to LA, I'll, I've always had like an obsession with like, even though I'm blackity, black, 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 I've always had a, a obsession with Scandinavian films because like they keep it real. And like, you know, sometimes I like the darkness and the depression stuff and they, they, they just like tell it like it is. There are no Hollywood endings in Scandinavian films. So um, I started attending and actually volunteering for the Scandinavian Film Festival, which happens in January. But then also in my work, my former employer, I got involved with the Southeast European Film Festival. I'm on the advisory board for that. And like, I love these niche film festivals, particularly in LA, because people from those communities come out. Yeah, like when you go to the Pan-African Film Festival, obviously, like, you know, Black folks come, but like the Indian Film Festival, it's like people who are like Indian and part of the Indian diaspora who come. But you get these beautiful like slices of these insights into these cultures that maybe aren't you on, but like in a way that's told like on their terms that you can uh, appreciate. Like that's the real LA. You know what I mean? I feel the diversity. It's an international city. And I think that's why yeah. when people tell me why not have a Haitian film festival, I said, well, we have a Japanese, we have a Jewish film right? festival, Scandinavian. Everything. And I said, why can't we have a Haitian film festival? Mm -hmm. Then we already had Pan-African. It's like, come on, that's been the most successful Black film festival in the country. That's right. You know, so it was like seeing that, I was like, but I wanted to see like particular Haitian stories because they have so many films. Like the discussions are like, 10 minutes, you know, they have 170 films, but I feel like, okay, we can have that 20, 30 minute conversation. That's our film festival was, you know, is curated for the like Haitian experience. And, and I think people out of who are non-Haitian came because they wanted, they're African American, they're Caribbean, they're Jamaican, and they want to see that and Haitians themselves. So I think, you know, then you're able to like Jimmy John Louis coming to the film festivals or getting our stars. Like when I moved to Hollywood, Malcolm Calhoun, when we left CSUN, we're like, oh, we may have to pay double, but now Malcolm Calhoun is coming to our film festival. You know, now it's like, so it, that's when I was like, okay, this is, um, and, and I did what the other black filmmakers did. The first year we got to Hollywood, we had to use our credit card. Like black filmmakers. Maybe that's how you did it. That's, okay. that's how we did it. We used our credit. And the then next how year, many films did you show the first year? The first year, I only showed three films. So I showed three documentaries, then I had to start integrating narratives. Right. I got Martin Calhoun, you know, with um, Jimmy John Louis was in it, and our second one. Mm -hmm. And after that, that's when it started. Like that's when the LA Haitian they started taking what when it when it was at the Barnsdale. So um, that's then I was able to start getting money from the city because now I had a proof of concept. Like, look, I have Martin Calhoun, but we need your support to be to able. Grow. We shouldn't have to, this spend our credit cards <laughs> every year and it's it, it's a pretty rich city la is a pretty has resources but i then i did the arts for la so it taught me how to speak to government i came from a sole proprietor background right i know how to sell something but it's a different conversation that you do in a public good wait so what's the arts in la was that like a fellowship it's a nonprofit organization that helps art leaders understand how to speak to like government officials how to you know, really get 
grants and have your influence. And I think another organization instrumental before that was Center of Culture Innovation. They have like an eight-week business of art class. It was 250 bucks when I, right when I graduated from CSUN, me and there were some other artists were like, okay, it's great going to California arts, lawyers of the arts, but that still doesn't tell us how to get money. <laughs> that teaches how to protect ourselves. Like the basics of running a business, you know. And I mean, I think that's something that's lacking in film school. Anyway, it's just like, okay, yeah, you want to be a filmmaker, but yeah, and for the love of it, but also this is a business. So how do you do that? Exactly. So I think that's what the Center of Cultural Innovation gave. Like they give grant, they have grants for when you're doing a film festival or you're going, um, our film festival was in um, Cannes this year. So they give you professional development, you know? So, you know, I mean, that's the kind of, and I love like the person and it's at the Japanese culture center. And it was great that they have diverse like artists who like, even you're a different medium, uh, a documentary filmmaker, uh, it could be a painter, but you're dealing with social injustice, you know? color. So you start seeing the synergy like, oh, we're in different parts of the cities, but we're dealing with it in different capacities. It, so you could have these deeper conversations because when you start talking to people at foundations, that's the stuff they want to hear. Oh, I know about Haiti. I know about Latin America. I know about your independence. You're like, oh. So I think that's when you start getting, and I guess um, I, I was a member of the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. And um, from getting that support, then it got me support from the city. Right. Then they got, then when I was Arts for LA, while I was Arts for LA, I was running the film festival. They're like, oh, this guy, you know, He's running a film festival. Then, then I started getting support from like city council and mm -hmm. all that stuff. You know, it was like kind of like the stuff that we learned from Lynn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we get support from city council. So I That's tried true. to take yeah. that humanities. That was kind of like my framework. Like, okay, maybe I'm not getting a hundred thousand, but I need 10, 20, you know, at that time. So I, I saw that a filmmaker of means. That was my first time working with a filmmaker that had like means. So um it, it was like waiting, seeing that she waited to like make something work for her. And I was like, it's like, okay, if you're deliberate and you have your plans, it can happen. So I think it's just a mentality shift. When you see it, you can become that. So I think that was like my first real experience. And after that, I just tried to find ways to like develop those professional skills, right? Or that language, you know, that language. And once you get that language, you can be in that world. You can be in that world. Now you're in a room of people. When I was a PA, I was delivering mail 10 years and you're sitting at, you're sitting with City National, you know, and they're, you know, and they're Citibank and they're telling you, and your film festival was there because you were not, you know, so it's just, it's a long road, but I think, you know, we just have to understand like when you're doing it and people appreciate when you're doing it for like liberation, even business, but they're like, that's a lot of work. <laughs> We give you the money it take to do this. Like they're like, right. you know, you doing a film festival, mm -hmm. and um, and I had the relationship since I was a filmmaker. I had a relationship right. with the filmmaker. I was able to get the films. So let me ask um, you this. Okay, so um, your your first festival, three documentaries. What what was your budget for that? If you can remember way back when. Honestly, yeah, it was it was like maybe three thousand. Was it less than that? Because I got eighteen hundred from the um, provost, but I got like, in kind. I got I got the theater for free. That would have probably, and I still made seven hundred that day. 
So, you know, I would, but I sold tickets. Some people are mad. I was like, well, this is event right. You put free. I put $20. <laughs> you know, yeah. I need to do Wait, it. Wait, so the, did you did you make money that first year? I did. Okay. I did. All right. Yeah. So I mean, I've always charged at least a modest fee because I understand like if you don't have, you won't have any money for marketing. You won't have money to do the next one. So I never want to go because I think a lot of things in the African diaspora, everything is free. And I was like, how are you going to be able to do the next year? So I was like, even yeah. if you charge, you know, 20 bucks and 50 or 30 people, that's some money that could work on it. And some of the stuff I can get in-kind donations, but I think that really helps. So if I want to do it again, they 50 people came out, they're like, okay, we're going to fund you next year. Here's just take it to the next level. Um, so I think that that's what helped me. And um, having like, at that time, um, they had like a Haitian restaurant, T. George, so I was like, if you guys show up, we'll get funded again. But I need y'all to, it's like, like film. Like if nobody shows up, they're not going to, they're not going to, they're going to fund you the next time around. You know what I mean? But I think once they see that, they're like, okay, he got something cooking. <laughs> he got something that he's working with. So uh, yeah, that, that, that really helped me. And then even for me to see like, cause at first I started with myself, I experimented myself. I showed three films. And I, I think the first, before the film, I made like $700 in one day. I was like, hold up, I can do this again. I was like, I can do this again. Right. And, and so then was, back then it was, it was probably you, just you. And then like a few volunteers, obviously your, your it was wife me, was my out. wife, like yeah. from the beginning, it was, yeah, my wife did all the graphics. She, you know, I mean, she was the person that made it look, you know, but like, Day. I still haven't found nobody. I wish I could replace her, but <laughs> the way she put something together, it's always like beautiful. And I just, just having that, you know, that passion. And I, I think her being Mexican American of showing your community a different light, you know, and I think we both resonated with that. Yeah. My, my friends that came that I went to film school would have, you know I me mean, would, would have them um, support, but it was really like having the administrator, like, like the Pan African Studies, they gave me the money. Right, right. <laughs> they right. gave me the fight. They gave me the money for the speakers. So you know, the other they gave me in kind, but they actually cut me a check. <laughs> okay, that's great. That's so great. that was so great. Of like, and it was our um the chair of the Pan African Studies. She was actually from Nigeria. She goes, your stories look just like mine, and you know, and like having that global, like having that, and I think that was so great. And having them come down, and then then we got the the school paper to, to write about us because I worked in the marketing department. So of course, you know, I would, I, I would get that. I would get the school to write about us. Just use our resources because my mom raises like, that's your home. Utilize your home and go other places. And she was like, you graduated from there. I think I was always inquisitive in finding how can we get the most value. I mean, that that's wonderful that, um, like, I mean, so many times, you know, we graduate from these schools and then like we, we never go back. But it's so awesome that Cal State Northridge has been so incredibly supportive of you. Yeah, I think because my for my professors, like they wrote all my recommendation letters for me to get in to teach at PCC. But now I'm a professor, too. So um, at Pasadena City College. So I think like and I pass it down to my students and you know, try to write their recommendation letters like my, you know, uh, you know, other professors did for me. Just having, I think, the most diverse, like, committee, you know what I mean? Kravilovsky was a documentary international filmmaker. Um, Hogan was an editor. Then I had a Pan-African Studies major 
that was like, you know, Ratcliffe that teaches at Cal State LA. So I had like this, you know, these three perspectives when I switched from art to interdisciplinary studies and I like, that was probably the best thing I did. Cause if honestly, if I graduated from a film program, I probably wouldn't have done a film festival. I would have been on the track to make another All short right, That's film. true. Yeah, we got to think about that. Yeah, yeah. It was the best thing for me to be able to like curate the work and, and have people that been already international or has been an editor and was more practical, you know? Have somebody that was like Pan-African studies who understood that world, who understand how to get into conferences and knew how to navigate just like that black academic world it's different it's totally different from mainstream i'll be like academia so it was like understanding that and seeing how he built and he was um afro latino so it was like it was like having president he had a different you know a, a super like activist you know i was more moderate <laughs> i was like, <laughs> like <you're right." laughs> i was a little like i ain't gonna get arrested now Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna be civil rights footage. I watched it already. Well, I just wanna do a festival. You know, <laughs> I wanna run a festival. You know, I'm like trying. So there was a difference in that. I was like, mm, I understand what you're talking, but um, I got right. loans back. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, it was good having, you know, that type of like one of my paintings is from Krebelowski. That that's, that's this gallery I started, the Haitian Brookolage Gallery is from Professor Krebelowski. She has Haitian paintings. I could talk to, I still have relationships with like, Professor Hogan actually lives down the street from me. He's okay. actually my neighbor. They know how when I walk down, we look at each other like, he's like, constant. <laughs> I was walking <laughs> up the street, he's like, this is my student, lives up the street from me. Now. Right. You know, so it's, <laughs> That's it's awesome. crazy. Last year was year six. And I know like, you know, uh, COVID, you know, hey, COVID. Um, but how many films did you screen for um, year six? Oh, we, it was the most, we, 21 films. Yeah, we had three days. Like we started from like that one day, then the fifth year was, you know, probably like 10, went to two days. Last year was three. Three days, oh, okay. Like, All right, man, so like you Friday, even, Saturday, you were able to expand Oh um, yeah. During during COVID. So let me ask you this too, because like we always like to give people practical information on this podcast. Um, what was the process in regards to trying to figure out what platform, like what online platform that you would use for the festival? I looked at exurb.tv and basically I had a soft launch first with Pasadena. So okay. In June, I did a soft launch. Like if it does well, we're gonna use it in August. So Okay. So, so, but did you, so did you screen like um, for the soft launch? Did you screen like films from like past festivals or? No, I just, of, of our students of that year. Oh, we the wanted, or students in your class. The okay. students in our classes, like maybe we had like three professors. So we had like 20 films. Right. And, and we just had like a day that, because we want to make sure that they would take classes next semester because this virtual thing happened. We're like, if we don't show, and that was our thing to take more classes. We're like, okay you get to show your work and you still get to build community because when you're in person, you can do that. But now virtually we had, they, to, we had to shift that. We yeah. had to shift that. And right. we had these conversations. How can we translate that film festival experience, having that Q and A on zoom, you know, like things that we thought were really important that we could change in a virtual space. So once us three professors kind of like had those conversations and then to the technical, like talking to, 
uh, you know, exerb that TV. That's in Albuquerque, actually. They used to be in LA. And, um, you know, then after he did that, I was like, well, I'm gonna run my film fast because I loved it. You know, the images, I love the video was fast and they didn't charge us. It was just putting it on their platform. Then after that, you know, I, I did my, of course, mine cost, <laughs> but that, that was like my soft launch of like, okay, I know this could work. Cause there were other film festivals that charge you like a thousand dollars. And I was like, okay. Yeah, some of the platforms are really expensive. I know um, part of my work I did with Looky Looky like early on in the pandemic, Ani and I got this idea to essentially do research on like streaming platforms. That research is essentially, we just created an open source Google doc for that. And it's probably pretty much obsolete now, but like at that point, you know, people were scrambling, trying to figure out, okay, where you like, we want to put on this festival, but like how we're going to do it, you know, and kind of like the wild west of streaming platforms you know now things kind of calm down and some of the you know the ones that work of like we we know what works and what doesn't but like back in the day two and a half years ago or a year and a half ago wherever whenever it was you know it was really you we really didn't know what we were going but to another do. thing happened it built community in the film festival world like i had larry from the um new filmmakers la because we're both on the um I'm a member of the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce, and he showed me the back end of how he did. He did monthly screenings, so seeing the back end was like, okay, this is how it can happen. And so I think, like with the film festival community, there were all these like um, online chat rooms, like for film, and it, and you just had to do the research, and that's how I found out. I was looking at you know, film festivals in the UK to because like. I had to figure this out in two months. So I was like, okay, the big film festivals, they could have everything for free, but the small film festivals were like, this is all what we have. We cannot Sundance to them. They could have an all film festival or South by Southwest. And the second year they start charging. What I loved about it, the partnerships that I started looking at for, they have similar values. They want to monetize for independent filmmakers. So that's what I looked at for partners. Do you have similar values? And if you have similar values, so what I liked about them, I can call the, um, the owner of, of, of the platform. He's gonna make sure the right film is up there. He's gonna write and show them my image. Where other platforms, it seemed like a, just a technology person that wasn't really into like yes. art or filmmaking. Oh so they, they would just leave you, you would just hang yourself, right? And I was like, I tried like, no, I'm not working with you. Yes, I, I just uh, like I'm having flashbacks of like live events on various platforms where in order to get a response from people, like, well, first of all, like if you kind of just sent like a question and you weren't specific and didn't send a lot of information, they would just like point you to the website. Yeah. Like, here's the answer. I'm like, like, no, like, okay, I read your website. I, okay, and I get it. Some people aren't tech savvy. They don't read through, but I would actually, I got to the point where I would just like do meticulous screenshots, like, and send them like step-by-step step what I was doing. And like, okay, and this isn't working. And at that point I would get a response, but like, yeah, I, particularly some of these larger platforms that are more expensive, that personal touch is not there. Cause go, that's, that was the problem with like Vimeo. They're like, if you don't got $10,000, I don't need to talk to you. It was, that was this how I feel. If you don't have $10,000 for you to do one screening, and I was like, okay, I need to find somebody who's independent, but wants to do quality work. And that's how I found Zerb and just kind of, I've been with them for 
last two years and like it's going to be our like our third year this year's festival is going to be all virtual or are you we're trying to hybrid if we just hope the theater opens up again they should be in august they said that you know, the city's not having it until like june that the theater is going to be open but we'll see what happens okay Very, mm -hmm. so yeah i want to do hybrid one day that we're in person and, and another day that we're definitely online because you get a global audience that's the thing with the benefit of going online I'm, I'm getting people tune in from like africa haiti like i wasn't getting that i was seeing only people flying so that's the cool i think about and another concept that i learned from the haiti tech summit like find your digital twin the haiti tech summit is where tech people business people entrepreneur they meet in in haiti and you get to meet the who's who you know in the haitian that and in the tech world you know so you're you're, you're having like the founder, not not Facebook, like Twitter, Jack Dorsey is there. You know, I mean, like seeing that type of stuff. And it was like, so it just opens like a whole different world. Like I'm even ambassadors like in Haiti. So it gives, it makes us more um, global when there. But, you know, I've been a speaker the last couple of years for the Haiti Tech Summit. So that happened and I just did the Afro Future Accelerated Program, especially for black professionals. And that was great just to double down on what you're good at. Instead of like, oh, I'm gonna get VC money. You know, how about you're good at working with corporations, you're good at getting grant money, or you're good at, instead of trying to fit into this box when you're a circle, do that. She goes, that's what uh, Christine, the team you know, told us, you know, and I think, um, you know, she's the CEO of the Haiti Tech Summit. Then it, I translated that for me as a filmmaker, like I'm really good at like, raising money or dealing with corporations and double down on that instead of trying to fit in i'm trying to get private money that hasn't been my thing when you as black professors we take that pressure away from ourselves we try to fit in something that's not meant for us of course you're going to scale because now you know you're going to strength like if you go even you go to conference knowing your strengths knowing you're a debater like okay I'm going to deal with the small business development center at Pasadena City College. When I need an update, I'm going to deal with, I'm going to take the liberation course, right? I mean, be at that conference. I'm going to be finding what people of color, how they're trying to move up. Because once you know what you want, it's easy because that's the problem with the West. There's so many things. If you don't know, you get lost. But also, I mean, I think what you're saying is not just knowing what you want, but being very clear about what your strengths are. So I think once you find your your God, like your purpose, I mean, your talent, the people you're gonna work with, the nonprofits you're gonna work with, it's gonna change because their missions align, you know? So I think it's like, I think it's really important to like various business consultants that are helping me like really fine tune, you know, Jeremiah, he's out of Brooklyn. I, I'm dealing, I'm doing with a guiding campaign for documentary filmmakers. I'm dealing, I'm, um, you know, so, you know, like those things really help you to see things. It's teaching me about impact producing that I was just about producing, like raising money, working with a team. But now it's like, what organization are you going to take this to? What is the conversation is different? How is this going to affect people? And that's me, that's bring that's bring another level to the film festival with me as the filmmaker. Now I'm able, you know what I mean? So it's like, sometimes it's like, you know, turning the head a little bit. You could be in the same place, but if you don't really know, power um that that you could have 
um, or really tapping into your power. I think that's really where you start um, learning. Like you're right, working from your strength. What is your view of the status um, filmmakers of, of Haitian descent? And I'm, I'm asking that from, the, the, from this particular context because my time when I was working in industry, I went to a ton of film festivals. I had meetings with like hundreds of filmmakers, like one-on-one -on -one meetings. And, but it, but interestingly enough, it wasn't until I went to um, the film festival, the documentary film festival in Montreal, or IDM, that I actually for the first time actually had one-on-one -on -one meetings with Haitian filmmakers, like all the way in Montreal. I'm like, well, that don't make sense when I thought about it. It doesn't make sense. And part of it like was um, like a language barrier because like I'm not, I don't speak Haitian Creole, I don't speak French. Um, so that that is, I guess that's is part of it, but it still didn't make me make any sense that there are so many like Haitians, particularly in the US, and like this is a first I had to go all the way to Montreal, another country, to meet Haitian filmmakers. And then um the second time I had like any significant interaction um with the Haitian filmmakers was last year. I was on a panel for the Caribbean um, Film Academy. Um, was an academy that reaches out to filmmakers across the Caribbean to introduce them to one another, as well as like introduce them to like how to navigate markets in Europe and um, in the U.S. As a Haitian filmmaker, as a creator of the Haitian International Film Festival that's about to go into its seventh year, where do you see like the state of like Haitian filmmakers and like what can those of us who aren't Haitian or are Haitian do to support like these creators, particularly um, to tell true Haitian stories? Because like, like you said early on in this, in this interview that for so long, particularly here in the West, we just get one view of, of, of Haiti, it's always, it always seems to have to do some kind of national disaster or political calamity. And like, that's all we see. The first thing, people go where things are close to them. And it's come, like when you think there's funding in Montreal, for one, and there's a big Haitian community, there's like 100,000 Haitians are there. Mm -hmm. um, internationally, I think it's been probably a little easier. You know, you think of um, Raoul Peck, you know Raoul I mean? Peck, you know, he, he's in France. Um, I think there's a different type of racism you get overseas than you get here. So I think you have more, you know, there's there's a bigger, like black middle class that's there or Haitian middle class. So I think there's either professors or entrepreneurs, like that communities may be looked at different than how you look at the Haitian diaspora in the States until recently. And it was like, if you, you want to be a doctor, lawyer, an engineer. I being an artist was not like <laughs> that wasn't like, like the thing until like I think recently, you know, but um like Wyclef with Jimmy John Louis, that we're having more like models. And that's why at the our, our film festival was showing that like, you can be Haitian and still work in the entry. You can be in hybrid. So I think like our film festival tries to like empower the next generation of Haitian filmmakers. Like, you know, we had a mentorship program this year. We had 17 that we graduated, you know, in, in, in Haiti and New York, LA, because we were getting, when the films come to us, they're already done. So we wanted to be able to help them with their storytelling before they go to the film festivals, including our film festival. So um, we we're able to do that this year virtually, you know? So that was great because we partnered with the um, Haiti Tech Summit so um, they have a big reach. 
so that that worked out because they get a lot of technology but a lot of creative people like how can you help us you know so um, it's a different language you know tech they could have like 10 fire chats with creative people you could maybe have like three you know it's it's because i know my community that, that that's going to be too much because those most of those people are have science backgrounds and so they could take in a lot of information but i think creatives have you know definitely different um the way they take it they take in information so i think the way that you can support haitian filmmakers is definitely to the haiti international film festival they have a haitian um, nonprofit in, in, in Brooklyn. So we have our ecosystem. That's what we're doing. We're being a Haitian film and Haitian art ecosystem. So that's what you see from the film festival world. And um, I think that's the way of supporting, supporting buying our art, supporting our productions. So when they take that leap to fed, they're like, okay, it, it was worth it. You know, you didn't talk that Dr. Lawyer route. So you went another way. Black artists, they're the ambassadors of the culture. They show the culture in it different light. So I think, um, you know, we have professors, we have filmmakers, we, I mean, everything is there. It's just, you know, once we, um, we gain that, we make what's hot and our community makes what's hot. So I think once we understand, we can set the standard. The theme this year is like, it's global impact, you know, and, you know, in LA, New York, you know, in Paris, like all over, like the impact that we've been able to make. But now it's like, how can we leverage that as a community? to be able to help, you know, the Haitian diaspora and I think the African diaspora, you know what I mean? People, we, we have that history, like we're the first and only the slave rebellion when we got independence in, in, you know, 1804. So I think we have, to, we have to really talk about that. And I think that point of education is important and our resilience and the entrepreneurship. Because when you go there, it's like you're in China when you see like everybody trading. So I think, yeah, I think we just have to um, support, you know, and not just, it's not just what we say, it's what we do. So it's like, we really, and you found the effort, you really, we really got to put our money, like I got, my mom helped me, you know, through black entrepreneurship. So I got Talian Twine from Baltimore. Like I'm wearing this black man's watch. And that makes me feel empowered. It makes me like, I'm not talking about it. I'm at the point where it's like, you know, the ones that know, they know, <laughs> you know, but I want to be able to celebrate people who've helped me or helped create who I am. And, and I think that's important, like supporting black entrepreneurs, you know, like um, I can go to Haitian times and um, Ella Turin passed away. She used to write for them and they wrote an article for her she's a black press and not just operating from the white gaze all the time you know operate and they talked about the one your idea i remember i was at that thing when they talked about the white gaze you know for documentary and um i think just being really intentional you know just like what you're doing you know like really having these true authentic stories it takes creatives like you and myself to put it out there because we know there's quality in our community you know i remember like things you had me watching stuff from South Africa when I was working with, I was like, what? She was like, you kill you sleeping. She was like, I was like, what? So I was watching these like tech companies in South Africa and Kenya. I was like, you were just we're up on the culture. So it just told you, we just have to um, and be 
embrace it. I think you have to really be willing to embrace it and to change with the technology. And I think we have everything, just like we have to believe it. I mean, one of my mentors told me that he was from, um, he was like, Jaquil, you have everything you need. He goes, I'm not, maybe not be passionate about it, you feel, but you are and do it. And I think when he told me that, he freed me. Like he was like, you have everything that you need. Just go about it. You know, and I think like um, Jerome Thomas, he was the one who took my picture. He's from Detroit. And you know, Detroit people, they have a different like, they're like, hey, they have that confidence. Like we're going to get it done. We don't know how. But it's, but I think like having mentors like that, you know, just allow you to like unequivocally follow your black, your dreams. Like somebody who tells you, you got this and I'm going to make sure if you fall, I got your back. When you build your full capacity, no one can really stop you. And that's what it is that society with these structural um, problems, they don't want you to reach your full capacity. And if you go, I think a poet said that like the, the road less traveled, that's where you go. And that's where you find your gold. Or um, I think I read this from Black Enterprise one time. Sometimes we have gold in our own backyards, but we don't look there. We go across the town, we go across the country, we go out of this world. But sometimes the gold is in your background, in your own backyard. And I started like, I, I learned to like take that gold that's in our village. You know what I mean? That's already there. Right. And polish it up, frame it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like this, just, just just do that to it because it's already there. So the website is Haiti International Film Festival.org. And um, we have like right now you can make your submissions on, on film festival on um, Film Freeway, um, Haiti International uh, Film Festival. So definitely submit your films there. And we'd love to see you in August 13th and 14th. That this is gonna be our seventh annual. And just our theme is like the global impact of Haiti, you know, um, because that's why I love about the history and what Tucson is like, let's free all the African diaspora. You know, I and mean, that's what we wanna do. We wanna show that and, and have us be our own thought leaders. You know what I mean? So I think that's that's really important. Like it's already there. And look me up as a filmmaker, we're in, we're in um, post for our, our film, um, Haiti's the Nation Artist. And um, we're gonna submit it uh, to Khan this year for the Pavilion Afrique, where we had our film. So um, it's, we're here, you know, we're doing this global work. There's an African diaspora that wants our work. We're, we're playing the African um, summit um, with some Nigerian filmmakers in Los Angeles and in April, they're asking me to organize and put this together. So, I mean, it's here because they're seeing the work we're doing because we're putting out the good content, we're putting out the good work, the good work. Like, I got to say, you got to run your commercials. <laughs> you got to let people see your work. Then they'll come to you. You know what I mean? Just believe, just do the work and everything else will manifest and God would open doors you don't even think that was possible. We got our diamonds. We got our kings and queens. We've just been taught to not be our higher selves, you know, our lower frequency selves. And once you understand the power of like being your full self and showing up, man, trust me, the world opens up for you because you're putting that vibration into the world. You know what I mean? So once you do that, you know, it's like, then you realize a lot of the stuff you told is just somebody's mechanism of control. And why are you adhering to that? So one way Black folks like to celebrate each other is the following. So one person will say, I see you out here doing big things. 
And the other one will say, she. I'm just trying to be like you. Jaquil is one of our early dog brothers. And from the time we first met, we have always gassed each other up and celebrated one another's trajectories through this industry, whether it be through a catch-up phone call, a quick text, or even a Facebook message. And I just want to thank him so much for being on the show. One thing Renelle and I love about doing this work is that we have the opportunity to get to know people we've known for years in a much deeper way. Jaquil dropped so much wisdom in this episode too. He said, find the people who share your values. Choose to be an ecosystem builder. There is power in living your full self and sometimes the gold is in your backyard. There's so much good stuff in this one. So just take a moment and breathe that in and live it. Thank you so much for listening today. If you like this episode, share it with a friend. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on all your podcast platforms. When you give us that five-star rating, it helps to make people more aware of our podcasts. We're taking a break in March, but don't fret. Help us celebrate Women's History Month by catching up and taking a listen to some of our many, many past episodes that feature the fabulous women who are making changes in the documentary field. We'll be starting our new season in April and have episodes with Reed Davenport, Jennifer Crystal Chen, and Marion Schmidt. We'll also be bringing you the episodes we recorded with Dr. Leipzig's Doc Industry Program in October 2020. Visit our website at whatsupw.com. That's whatsupw.com. And make sure to sign up for our mailing list to get the latest show news. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at What's Up WDocs. Again, that's What's Up WDocs. And remember, keep telling your stories. Today's episode was hosted by Tony Bell and produced by Renelle Schubert. Music is by Sierra Thomas. What's Up WDocs team would like to acknowledge the traditional, ancestral, unceded territory of the Shumash and Tongva on which we are recording this podcast.